0: We're going to be finishing up our series this morning on on training plans for those that that maybe haven't been here or maybe haven't caught it all. A lot of this came from my experience over the summer and over the last year training for a bike race that I was involved in and took part in which was a, a long race and kind of the things I learned spiritually um, from the things that I learned physically and emotionally and mentally and in kind of letting that kind of uh, lead us down this path as we train for for godliness and train to be more like the Lord. Our our main verse has been basically First Timothy four eight. We're gonna read a little bit more in that this morning. We kind of been in First Timothy four throughout the series, but we're gonna kind of close it out this morning. So if we're gonna, so let's let's go ahead and throw that up on the screen. First Timothy four, and uh, we're gonna read verses seven through twelve. This is what it says: Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. And there's verse 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers." teach these things and insist that everyone learn them don't let anyone think less of you because you are young be an example to all believers in what you say in the way you live in your love your faith and in your purity let's pray father we love you and we thank you for this time God, we just pr- I pray right now that you would just speak through me, that God, that my words would cease, that yours would begin because my words don't really do much, but God, your words change lives. And that's what we need. We need life change. We need you to come and begin to rearrange things in us that need to be rearranged so that we can train for godliness, so that we can be more like you. So Father, I pray that you would help us in, the, in Jesus' name amen amen well as we kind of bring this all to a close i thought as you know uh, you know and again i know that we've been talking about several different aspects of this but as we kind of bring this to a close i I kind of wanted to talk about something that i really felt was was a major part in all of this we kind of hit on this a little bit in Previous weeks but I really want to expound on it a little bit more because I think at times people have decided that this isn't important they've kind of made this decision that because of the way life is now and because we have been in a situation where for the last um I, I mean we're getting close to two years now almost where life has been somewhat separated People have been somewhat separated. We have have lived a life of separation over the last several uh, months and almost obviously into years. And I I do believe that that is not God's plan for us. I do believe that there is a plan that God has put into place that is important for us to come together as teammates, as family, as a church, uh, to to come together in a way that is going to help us to accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when it came to relationships, but today I want to take a little bit deeper dive into this because I believe this has truly been an attack of the enemy that has separated people and especially gotten people to believe a lie and that lie is that you can do this on your own you don't need each other you don't need a spouse or 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 a loved one and i'm not saying anything about you have to get married or anything of that nature i'm just saying that we have caught this belief that basically i am good on my own i am good by myself the problem is is honestly that is not what scripture teaches I remember talking to people who've been hurt uh, over time, and, and I've heard this type of an attitude where, you know what? I don't need anyone. I don't need to be with anyone. I don't need people pouring into my life. I don't need to be pouring into their life. I can basically do this alone. And the problem with that is it comes from a place of hurt, a place of bitterness, and more importantly, it is in contradiction to what God's Word has said. God simply said this. This is all you need to know. God said it is not good for man to be alone. When he looked at the situation, everything he created, everything was good until he realized something. Man was alone. And so God says, I will make a helper. You need a helper now a lot of times obviously we talk about this in the realm of of spouse but here's the deal I believe we all need helpers I believe we need more than just our husbands or our wives we need people in our lives to encourage us to help us to be there when things are hard when things are good obviously there's we see that all the time in a marriage relationship and that should be an important one in the first one but also in the relationship between children and parents the relationship between friends The relationship that you have here in a church family and so i want to take a few minutes this morning and look at a couple of things but 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 here's the thing i need to ask you a simple question who is going to help you cross the finish line who is going to help you cross the finish line because here's the deal to finish it strong you're going to need some help now in my race in my situation i had two interesting groups of people who were helping me to finish. The first is very obvious, and we know about it. The first is Emily and Easton. They were there with me. They encouraged me. They, they got me up in the morning when I didn't, when I'd rather not gone and ride and train, or I'd rather stayed in bed. Just their, their presence, their, their desire to see me do well, their desire to encourage me was a big part. But there was another part of this that you may not know, and that was complete strangers. You see, on this race they had something called it was a fully supported race. Now let me explain that what that is. So basically there were checkpoints or or places that every every so many miles there was a group of people there who were manning places where you get water you could get they were making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you could get uh pickles you could get fruit you could get all sorts of stuff and you came up and it was the coolest thing because i didn't know these people these people didn't know me and i come riding up the first one was after 26 miles and i come riding up and man you would have thought these people had had ants in their pants i mean they were up and moving and uh, what can you do what what do you need what what, can, can i fill up your water can i get you something to eat you, you know, can I, I mean, we, we stopped at one, and these, these ladies, they literally had buckets of, of water with ice in it, and they were taking, um, not dish towels, they were taking, uh, you know, cloths, I don't know what it was, anyway, and they were, they were walking up to people, are you too hot? And yeah, I am, and they'd go, and they'd ring that out over your head, and you would think that would not have been good, but it was wonderful, you know what I mean? It felt amazing. I didn't know who these people were. They didn't know me. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know anything about me. All they cared about was they were there to be on my team for that day. You see, a lot of times we think about those that are close to us, and we should. But here's the thing I believe, too. God has called you to be on people's teams that you don't even know about. Let me give you an example. Today, some of you are going to go out after church, and you're going to go to a restaurant. I believe God is going to call you for that moment to be on the team of your server. To encourage them, to be kind to them, to be patient with them, to share God's love with them. Look, I worked as a server before. And I'll tell you what, you know the people that have Christ in their hearts and the people that don't. Their attitude is different. The way they treat you is different. And here's the deal, if it's not the case... There's a problem there. So even in those things, God wants to encourage you to not just be on a team, but to be a team to everybody else. And who you pick on your team is hugely important. Who you decide to partner with is massively important. Here's the deal. This is in your notes. Nothing will help you get to a victory faster than the right people, and nothing will get you to a failure faster than the wrong people. It's true. Think of all the cheesy motivational posters you saw in high school. There's truth there. And when we surround ourselves with these types of people, I believe that victories will come behind it. But listen, if we partner with the wrong people, I've seen it over and over again, there's failure that usually comes. So it's not just understanding we need help to finish we need to figure out who we need on our team to finish. There's a wonderful example of this in the early church in Acts 2. Starting with verse number 42, we see this this team begin to to form. This is is very early on in the church after... uh, after the, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given and Peter has preached and all these sort of things, listen to how this team begins to take form. Listen to how this team begins to work together. It's very important. Look with me to Acts two forty two. This is what it says. All the believers, okay? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse number 43. And a deep sense of awe came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, you know, it's interesting, as we're looking at this, I'm seeing all believers, all believers over and over again. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, I want to stop here. And we're going to get to verse 47 in a minute. But I really believe what we're seeing here is a cause and effect situation in Scripture. We see here from verse 42 to 46 all the things that the believers are doing. You know what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing an an effective team. I'm seeing a group of people and it says all of these people are coming together and they're doing things that a team would do. They have picked the right team. They have brought together all these things. And here's what's great. Their team has been founded on Christ their team has been founded on a solid foundation. A lot of times teams fail because they're not, they haven't been founded on the right thing. If you want your team to succeed, you've got to start with the foundation of Christ. A lot of times people want to have these things and they want to do these things, but their foundation is not right. But these people understood that. So they come together, they're working together, they're doing all these things. Now, let's go ahead and throw back up there, Monica. Verse number 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And here we go. And each day, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is a team. A good team. A team that has come together and realized that they cannot accomplish what God has called them to accomplish on their own. They could have said, you know what? I'm good. I'm saved. I'm going to study on my own. I'm going to learn on my own. I'm going to praise on my own. I'm going to worship on my own. I'm going to serve on my own. I'm going to do all this on my own. But they don't do that. They choose to come together. And it says all the believers... All the believers doing these types of things. And what is the result? The result is interesting, because it shows that people are seeing the team. Listen, if we have ever been in a world or a society or a time where there is zero team, it's now. And people will literally do things to try to get on a team. They will say, "I will do this," or I will do that," or I will be a part of this," or "I will support this or that." just so they have a sense of team, just so they have a sense that they can do that. Now, here's the thing I look at, and I'm just going to be honest with you. When I see those things taking place in the world with people that know Christ and don't know Christ, I go, listen, this is something that we have been ingrained with. This is something that God, when he formed us from the dust of the earth, put inside of us. We need each other. The problem is, is we as the church, quite honestly, have not been a very good team. And so people have said, you know what, I'm going to join this other team. I'm going to do this other thing that seems important. Here's what's interesting. I believe this with all my heart. When the church comes together as a team and the church begins to operate the way these individuals began to operate, listen, hear me here. It's not going to be hard to get people to want to join your team. It doesn't say that these people went on long missionary trips even though there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't say these people walked, knocked on doors and handed out tracts even though there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't say that these people had events at their church to invite people here even though there is nothing wrong with that. They simply came together, loved each other, was a team and people said, I want to be a part of that team. I think it's interesting. It's good for us to understand that. And it's also good to understand that they understood something very simple that we need to understand. Any goal or dream worth pursuing requires a team. It requires it. It requires that team. Now, here's the thing. It requires more than anything is you being, if this makes sense, on a team with God. That's the first. See, they would have never been able to do the other things they did if they weren't first on God's team. That has to be the first team. So here's the thing. You can't do anything, and you can't pursue anything that, or, or, or do anything that God really wants you to do without Him first. It's a requirement. He needs... We need him to help us to do those things. And here's the thing, when we first join his team and we begin to live our life in that way, we're going to begin to see the dreams and the goals that God has for us to come to fruition because people are going to rally to that. They're going to desire to be a part of what God is doing and we're going to see those things take place and it's going to be an amazing moment, an amazing time. So we all need team. We all need each other. We all, obviously, most important, need God. But here's the thing. I have seen it over and over and over again. You can turn on the TV this, this morning or this afternoon, and you can watch teams that are successful and teams that are not. And here's what I've learned about teams that are successful and teams that are not. The difference between a successful team and a failing team is very, very slim. We tend to think it's not we tend to think that oh well 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 the 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 good teams and the bad teams there's a huge gap between the two and usually there isn't there are little things that take place that prevent teams from being a successful team this morning to kind of finish all this out i want to look at what do we need to do to have a successful team because look, we, a lot of us are in teams. A lot of us are a part of teams. Whether it be teams in a marriage, teams as a family, teams as a church, teams in a work environment, or friends, or school, whatever it might be. We're on teams pretty much. Sometimes regardless if we want to be or not. The question is, is, are you having a successful team? Are you having a successful team? So we're going to look at three things that I believe that we need to have a successful team. Number one, we need to become the teammate that everyone dreams of having. We need to become the teammate that everyone dreams about having. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about your perfect teammate, okay? What, what characteristics does your perfect teammate have? Okay, think, of the, think about words in your mind. If I was still a youth pastor, I would, I would have the kids yell them out at me, you know, because they don't, they don't have a filter, you know. Because we're adults, we're much more proper. So, you know. But what words are we thinking about in our head? I, I can tell you for me, I, I think loyalty makes a good teammate. I think, I think, basically, kindness is a good thing. In your mind, what makes a good teammate? I want you to think about that. Now, here's what I want us to understand. We need to be the type of teammate that we ask everyone else to be. What we tend to do is we tend to ask everyone else. We have much higher expectations for everybody else than for ourselves. We look at our team and say, hey, listen, to be on my team, you have to be this, 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 this, and you have to be this. And if you aren't those things, well, then you can't be on my team. Well, here's the question. Are you those things? There's a lot of times that I expect, hear me, I expect Easton to act a certain way as an eight-year-old that his own father cannot produce in his own life. That's not fair. For me to be the dad that I need to be, I need to be making sure that I'm doing the things that need to happen, that I'm becoming the teammate that everyone dreams about. Listen, you know who I'm talking about. You know the person that you see and you're like, boy, man, they, they got, they're doing this and they're doing that. And they're, they're getting all these things put together. They are that person. And Here's the thing. We can't be that without Christ. You want to be that type of teammate? You want to follow and be the type of teammate you demand to be on your team? You're going to have to understand that the only person that can transform you into that is Jesus. See, all of these things have to come from a place of knowing that first you're on God's team. And you're going to allow Him to transform you to do that. That's what we're talking about. This is what this training is all about. Training for godliness, becoming more like Him. But God has to do that. Look at Matthew 6.33. This is what it says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, godly, and He will give you everything you need you see the problem is with a lot of our teams is we go okay i i, I want to be a good teammate i want to do these things that i want everybody else to do but then we try to do them on our own we try to focus on how can i do this 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 and this to make that a reality in my life we need jesus to do that but there is one more thing we need to understand it's this until we're right with god we won't be right with other people A lot of us, we want to kind of skip the God stage because quite honestly, the God's learning, training stage isn't always pleasant. It isn't always easy. We see in Scripture that training isn't pleasant for the moment. Discipline isn't pleasant, but it's going to bring forth righteousness. It's going to bring a harvest of those things, but it's hard. And so what we tend to do is we tend to say, listen, I'll get myself fixed up, I'll get myself right, and then I'll be able to be the husband, wife, uh, son, daughter whatever it might be to other people. And listen, I'll tell you right now, it ain't going to work. For you to be right with others, you have to first start getting right with God. And listen, that first and foremost takes place, meaning you got to get on God's team. But also, as you are growing, as you're training, as you're getting stronger, there should be an evidence of that. So that you are that teammate that everybody dreams about. But you won't be that teammate without God's help without first and foremost going to him and letting him do that transforming work in you. Number two, we need to make sure team comes before me. You want a successful team, this is a big one. You want a team that's accomplishing all the things that God wants you to do, it's got, the team has got to come first. Let me put this in, in a little bit easier way to understand. That means this, if you're married, your spouse comes first. It means if you have children, your, your children come first. It means if you are children, your parents come first. It means that those you don't even know, those people, listen, those people that were at those aid stations, it didn't matter what they were doing in the moment. What mattered most was being a servant to the people that came into that station. Listen to what it says Matthew 23. 11 and 12, the greatest among you, this is Jesus speaking, must, he doesn't, listen, hear me, he doesn't say could be. He doesn't say sometimes. He says the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Listen, if you want a successful team, you know, and I, and I know this is going to sound like probably, you know, bumper stickers or things you saw in the locker room. you got to take I out. I has got to be removed. There is no, quote unquote, I in team. But here's what I find. A lot of us want there to be I in team. We want to kind of be, listen, here. We want to kind of be the team captain, if that makes sense. Because we think that kind of spiritualizes everything. Can I help you with something? Jesus is your team captain because you're on Jesus' team. Okay? He's in charge. So your job is to serve him and serve others. And here's the thing. Here's what I found time and time again. The best teams have teammates that meet the needs of others and believe that their needs will be met by others. Those are the best teams. I've seen it over and over and over again. Listen, I, I know this sounds crazy to you because I, now that I think about it, I think it was probably crazy that I did this, but I did actually play football in high school and junior high and all these things. And I, I enjoy watching football and I've learned something about defense because I actually played a little defense. The coach will put you in a position on the field. And he will say, listen, I want you to cover this area, especially in types of defenses. And he'll say, listen, I want you to be here, and you need to be here, and you need to be here. And he'll, he'll position the defense, especially like in a zone type of defense. And he'll say, okay, Eric, you're gonna cover this zone. And okay, Josh, was a linebacker up in college, you're gonna play this zone. And, and different people are going to be in certain places. The best defenses are the defenses that can trust the teammates that they have on defense to be where they need to be. The worst defenses are this. It's when people look and they go, oh my goodness, there's the ball character carrier. I have to go to him and not trust my teammate to make the tackle. Because when you do that, when you go to that area, you have left your area wide open. When you watch a football game, watch that when you find an area and all of a sudden it's like they're throwing to the running back and there ain't nobody nearby, guess what probably happened? Somebody wasn't disciplined. They left their zone because they went to help in an area they thought needed help instead of fulfilling what their team captain told them to do. The best teams have what they call trust there. They have trust because they believe that the other person is going to take care of their need. They don't have to meet their own need because they know and believe their teammate will take care of it. Look at Philippians 2, 2 through 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you in the interest of the other in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You've got, listen, if you're going to have a successful team, you've got to remove the I. You have to be willing to say, you know what? Not only, not only do I want to meet your need, but I believe and trust that you will in turn meet mine. Those are the best teams. The final thing, number three, We need to take on a covenant mindset with our teams. We just looked at the finishing up in Philippians 5, and it talks about having the same mindset of Christ. This mindset that Christ had was not a covenant mindset. Now, here's the deal. We've talked about this briefly. We've talked about it before in other messages, but let's let's kind of remind ourselves so we can remember. We don't typically use the word covenant in our world today. We use a different word we use the word contract, okay? We're much more comfortable and we're much more aware of what a contract is. Typically, when I say the word covenant, most of the time I'm saying it and there's a beautiful young lady in front of me and a very nervous young man in front of me, okay? And they're all gussied up and there are people and they're usually in real nice dresses and suits and they're a bunch of parents and they're all crying. And that's usually when you hear the word covenant. We use the word contract, Jesus's mindset is not a contractual mindset. He had a covenant mindset, and we need to do the same. Because here's the deal. With a contract, a contract is different than a covenant. Let me explain to you how. Now, let's say, because most of you do this, most of you have one of these, you basically have a contract, um, or maybe we don't do this as much anymore, I don't know, but you have maybe a contract with your cell phone company, right? So you may be with T-Mobile or Verizon or whatever else and you go and you set up a contract with them and basically the contract states that you will pay this amount for these amount of services and so on and so forth. So that's, that's your contract. Now, a contract is set up in the way that if you pay your bill... They will continue to provide you service, and if they provide you service, you will continue to pay them uh, uh, the the bill, basically. Now, what if you had Verizon, and Verizon knocked on your door tomorrow and said, hey, listen, listen, we know we have this two-year contract with you, but we've decided we're just not going to provide you service anymore. We've just decided that we're not gonna give you any any internet, we're not gonna give you any any phone stuff. You're, You're just, but, but here's the deal, you signed a contract, so you have to continue to pay us. Now, nobody in their right mind would go, okay, yeah, that sounds great. I'll pay for nothing. You would say, no, 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 no. I'm going to break the contract. Why can you break the contract? Because the stipulations of the contract were basically this. You do this, and I will do this. A lot of us have that mindset in our teams. We'll be in contract with you as long as you hold up your end of the bargain. As long as you do A, B, C, and D, I will continue to do A, B, C, and D. But the moment you do something that I don't like or I don't agree with, I'm out of the contract. Thankfully, we don't talk about contracts in the marriage ceremony, we talk about a covenant. A covenant is different. A covenant mindset is this. It says it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you hold up your quote-unquote end of the bargain. I am going to hold fast to this covenant, to this promise, to this thing. We a lot of times speak of it in the wedding ceremony by basically saying, until death do us part. We We don't talk about that in a contract a lot of times. We talk about it in a covenant. You see, a lot of us have this idea, and this is in your notes, the problem with a lot of teams is they have a contractual mindset, not a covenant mindset. Their mindset is simply this, I'll be on your team as long as you do what I want. But the moment you don't do what I want, I'm out, I'm gone. And I am so thankful That Jesus does not have a contractual mindset with us. That he has a covenant mindset. When we take communion, what do we say? We talk about how Jesus in that moment said that he had come to bring forth a new covenant. Not a new contract, thank the Lord. Because I'll tell you right now, I won't speak for anybody else, but I can speak for me. If it was a contract, that contract would have been, I broke that contract a long time ago and still breaking it at times. But Jesus says no. Jesus says basically this is something different. This is a contract. This is or, excuse me, this is a covenant that is sealed with blood. It's sealed with something more than just the signing of a piece of paper. A covenant says it doesn't matter if you do it all right all the time. It doesn't matter, son, if you if you always obey me. It doesn't matter if you always do what I ask because I'm going to love you anyway and continue to train you to do those things. So many times in our marriage relationships, in our friendship relationships, we have that idea. This is just a, a contract. If you don't do what I say or what I want, when I want, I'm out. And there's a problem there. Because if we are going to be training in godliness, we've talked about this, it means we're like God. And God has set up with us a covenant relationship. Look at Matthew 28. 28, 20b, Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did you ever wonder why Jesus promised that? Simple, he has a covenant mindset with you and I. He basically says, listen, I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to do things you shouldn't do. I know these things are going to happen. But just so you know, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stand by you through thick and thin. It doesn't matter how far you run away. It doesn't matter how much you do. I will come and I will find you. I love And John kind of was bringing this up this morning. I, and when he was speaking, kind of came to my mind this idea of the good shepherd. The good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one. He's not even going to let you go away without going after you. That's the type of covenant relationship and mindset that Jesus has, and he's calling us to have the same. You say, well, Aaron, but you don't understand what my husband does. I understand that. I don't. But a covenant is a little different than a contract. And I believe God will help you in that to accomplish that mindset. But here's the thing. If we don't have a successful team, I truly believe we will not accomplish to the fullest what God has called each and every one of us to do and be and accomplish. As we bring this whole thing to a close, I want to show you something. I want to show you you know, we, we've been talking this whole time about um, this race and all these things. And, and for those that don't know, I know most of you do, it was, a, it was 143 miles on, on pretty much gravel roads with about not over 9,000 feet of elevation of climbing. This was not a little race. And I set myself out to accomplish something. And here's what I, can, here's what I know about this. I, I promise you this. I had to have a team. I remember when I first came to Emily and began to talk to her about this, I knew one thing. I knew there was no way I could do this without her. I needed her. And I needed more than just a contractual agreement, if this makes sense, for this race. It was too big. It was literally going to cost my wife something for me to accomplish this. It cost us time together, it cost us financially, I had to pay to be in the race, I had to, I had to get a bike to, to do that, we, we had to stay in Steamboat Springs where the race was, we had to buy food, I mean, it, it cost her something, this was not just me, it cost my son something. In the time that he and I could spend together, when I had to go to bed early because I was exhausted, when, when times were quite honestly, I wasn't the dad that I needed to be because I was so tired from training. So this whole time we've been kind of joking and talking about, did I even finish? Did I make it? Did I accomplish my goal? Well, I have a couple pictures. But before you find that out, even though most of you know, I want to show you who helped make that possible. So Monica, could you throw that first picture up? Couldn't have done it without him. I mean, you want to talk about team. You want to talk about a young boy who who looked at his dad and said, Dad, you can do it. You see, parents make a mistake at times by thinking that those kids haven't been placed there by God to also encourage you, to make a difference in your life, and to train you. So that's the first one. Fill up that second one, Monica. There's the second. Listen, hear me here. It it cost a lot for me to accomplish this goal on my physical body, but it probably affected Emily much more in the emotional sense because I was gone a lot this summer. I would be gone two, three, four hours at times so that I could prepare myself. And you know what? Emily never looked at me. She never tapped her foot. She never said, you know what? I can't believe you're not around more. Did she want me around more? I, I believe so. I hope so. But she was willing to say, you know what? To make this happen, bottom line, it's not about her right now, Aaron. It's going to be about you. And she met that need. And here's the deal. And obviously, God is well. Because trust me, I was praying a lot. Whether it was training or on a race, there was a, on my, there was a lot of people on my team. There were also, I don't have any pictures, there were... But there were there were people there that were encouraging me on the trail and 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 giving me what I needed. But here's the deal. Because of those people, the last picture can actually be posted. So Monica, you throw the last picture out. I know it might be hard to see, but that is me getting ready to cross the finish line. I did it. This is not a hologram. I'm not a robot. I know you were wondering that. But here's the deal. I could not have accomplished any of these things without those that God placed in my life to be on my team. Let's have the worship team come on up. As we close this series, I just we, we've talked a lot about different things. We've talked a lot about training and of godliness and all those things and, and and here's the thing I I believe that most of us if not all of us desire excuse me desire to do exactly that to train in godliness to become more like Jesus and so if if that's not the case you know we need to get there okay we need to make sure there are disciplines in our life we talked about that where 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 god can begin that training process we need we need to to be on team jesus (laughs) we need to be on his team first because if without that none of this really matters but but the other thing is is especially in our world today we need to listen hear me we need to say no to the lie that says that we can do it on our own listen i'm not trying to be mean i'm not trying to be negative i'm just trying to be honest you cannot do it alone. You were. Th- this is not a default setting in you. This is not where God basically said, "Well, I'm going to take this one person and make them, uh, you know, a freak and make them need people." We were created by God to first and foremost need Him, but also need each other. And I've seen it time and time and time again where people have bought into a lie that says, I don't need each other, I don't, I don't need others. Or they'll buy into this lie, I have one person, that's all I need. Listen, can I, can I just be honest with you? I don't really care how wonderful that person is, and they may be the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I'm just telling you right now, you need more than that. I've once been told that, that every Christian needs at least three people in their lives. They need a Paul, someone that can encourage them to go higher, to, to, to go to a new level. They need a Barnabas. They need somebody at their level that they can encourage and be a part of relationship with. And they need a Timothy. They need somebody that they can encourage to get higher. So, simple question, real easy. Who's your Paul? Who's your Barnabas? And who's your Timothy? Who are they? And listen, when I think of that, I'll just be honest, I don't think about Easton and I don't think about Emily. I think about others that God wants in my team. So who are they? Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a Paul, and that's great. But you know what? God's called you to also have a Timothy. Who's the Timothy on your team? Who's that younger individual? And I'm not talking about younger in age, but younger in maturity that you can take along and say, Hey, listen, follow me as I follow Jesus. Who's that Barnabas that when things kind of hit the fan and things are hard that you can go to and you can talk and you can share life with in that way and you can spur one another on? And who's that Paul that, that can just help you to grow? But again, all of this works when first and foremost we're on team Jesus. But who's your Paul? Who's your Barnabas? Who's your Timothy? Who's on your team? because I believe this to, to accomplish what God has called you accomplish, you're going to need them. Because sometimes the road's going to get hot and the road's going to get hard and the miles are going to add up and you're going to need them. So right now, let's just close our eyes. I want to pray with you and over you. And here's the thing. First and foremost, if you're not on Team Jesus, you can be. If you're not on Jesus' team, listen, all the things that I said are not going to work very well. You've got to first and foremost be on his team. How do you get on Jesus' team? It's simple. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You accept him in his forgiveness and his love for you. That's all. That's all that's necessary. And God will welcome you on his team. He doesn't look at you and go, you know, I don't know if you're good enough. No, 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 no. He welcomes you home. Because you were created to be on God's team. You were created to experience life with him. So this morning, whether you're here or online, and you go, you know what, Aaron? I'm I'm not on God's team. Well, you know what? We can deal with that right now. If that's what you want, it's real simple. You just say a prayer that says basically, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want to be on your team. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you came and you died for my sins and I accept your forgiveness. And not only do I accept your forgiveness, but I also accept your role as leader, God and Lord and King over my life. I accept you as the team captain over all my teams. You're the manager, you're the, you're the head coach, you're all of it. And so Jesus, I know because you promised me that if I pray that prayer and believe that in my heart, I will be saved. And for the rest of us that have already joined Team Jesus, but you know what? Our teams have not been as what they need to be. Maybe we don't have a Paul, a Barnabas, or a a Timothy. Maybe we have made our teams all about us and what we want and what we want the team to be instead of meeting the needs of others. Maybe we've decided, you know what, uh, you know, I don't like this idea of a covenant relationship. I, I want I an I escape hatch. I want to be able to get out. Whatever it is, whatever of the three things that maybe God right now through your Holy Spirit, you're illuminating to people's hearts of why their teams are not being as successful as you want them to be, God, I pray that you would just begin to show them that right now, that you would begin to train them in that godliness, that you would begin to to discipline them in that way. And that for us, Father, as we understand those things, that first and foremost, we would ask for your forgiveness, understand what's happening, and begin to work towards those areas to be the type of teammate that everybody dreams about. But God, we can't do this without you. We need you. So Father, I pray right now for a new birth of unity in families and in homes and in this church and in other churches that Father, we've never seen before so that we can be like what we read about in Acts 2 where people look at the team and go, I want to be a part of that. And people were added to their number daily. Those are awesome teams. And those are teams that we can be a part of with your help. So Father, we love you. Help us. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come lead us in a closing chorus. So you give life, You are love. So bring light to the dark. I know baseball pretty well, and and the bottom line is, the difference, there's 162 games, and I'm going to do my math wrong, so don't go here, but there's 162 games a year. And the best team loses a third of them every year. The best team, the team that has the best record always loses at least probably a third or if not more of those games. And the worst team wins a third of their games. Again, most of the time. I'd say all the, the difference between the team that, that does really, really well and the team that doesn't is quite honestly that middle third. Listen, you're gonna have some wins whether you're on a team or not. You're gonna have some losses even if you're on a great team. Don't, don't define your team by wins or losses in those areas, okay? because you're gonna have some some struggles. There's gonna be some some victories, there's gonna be some, some, some failures, there's gonna be some hard moments, but here's the thing. When we're on the team that God wants us to be, when we can follow these things, I promise you this, that middle third, you're gonna win a lot of those games. You're gonna win a whole bunch of those games. You're gonna win games that you have no business winning because the team that God has placed around you. And here's the best part when you're on team Jesus you win the whole kit and caboodle you get you, you win the World Series at that point you already won but I don't want us just to just just I don't want us just to win that I want us to also win victories now I want us to be the team that God's called us to be so there's victories now and victories to come remember our scripture Training for godliness has benefits now and for eternity. So Father, we love you and we thank you. Father, as we bring this series to a close, train us, God. Train us to be more like you and use each one of these things that we focused in on over these last five weeks to be things that we focus on to allow you to bring us to a new level of godliness that we've never seen before in our lives, and in our homes, and in our marriages, and in our relationships, and in our churches, in our workplaces, in our school, everything our hand touches, God. Let it be. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I hope you have a wonderful week. Again, thank you for being here. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you see you soon. And just a reminder before you run out this morning, make sure you sign up for the Thanksgiving meal. If you're interested in helping us to make a turkey or a ham, please come see me or Linda so we can get that item to you. Have a wonderful week. I can't wait to see you next week for our Thanksgiving meal together. God bless you.